you're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Oliver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 126th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you liked today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, I'm excited to begin our conversation on coaching for this season. I'm thrilled to have Jeanette Schneider, a repeat guest from season one, with whom I've been collaborating on a project called Dear Live. I want to share this information with my listeners as I think it's quite remarkable and helpful. After 23 years in finance, Jeanette Schneider hung up her executive title and retired from a highly successful career to take the big leap into entrepreneurship. Welcome to entrepreneurship. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know, I know. It's not for the faint of heart for sure. She is now the founder and CEO of Live Media Inc., the creative force behind the award-winning Dear Live mobile app. She is now the founder and CEO of Live Media Inc., the creative force behind the award-winning Dear Live mobile app on the Apple App Store, as well as an author, speaker, and the host of the podcast Dear Live with Jeanette Schneider. She loves mentoring women in the areas of money and mindset. Jeanette has brought her empowering lectures and workshops to the Influencer Academy, the Women's Leadership Conference at MGM, the Alturas Institute, Kaya Fit, Bank of America, Mount St. Mary's University, Girls for Progress, and more. She serves on the boards of the Alturas Institute and the President's Advisory Council for the Smith Center for the Performing Arts. In 2015, she was inducted into the Hall of Fame of the Women's Chamber of Commerce in Nevada and was selected as a Vegas Inc. woman to watch in 2016. And watch this woman, I'm here to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) The Girl Scouts of Southern Nevada honored Jeanette with a Trailblazer Award in 2019, and she was recognized as a visionary by the International Forum for Advancements in Healthcare in 2020. Jeanette's first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, was released September of 2018. She's been featured in the New York Post, Thrive Global, Mind Body Green, Elite Daily, Bustle, Authority Magazine, Mantra Magazine, and more. I do believe the way we started our relationship was me reading an article in Thrive Global, actually. She lives in Las Vegas with her amazing daughter, Olivia. Thank you so much for joining us for this important conversation on your brilliant app called Dear Live. Uh, I'm so happy to be with you. You know that I just enjoy our conversations every time we have the chance. Yeah, ditto. So do you want to tell the audience what Dear Live is all about? I would love to. And I'd love to start with explaining what Dear Live means, because I think it really gives you a flavor for how it came to be. So Olivia is my daughter, and Dear Live is named after her as a letter to Olivia and her friends, and a promise to really look at mental health and wellness being something that's forefront and no longer hidden behind any stigma, something that we want to be able to talk about. We talk about it openly in our house. The question to her is, how are you today emotionally, mentally? What's your mental health look like? Tell me about your life. So it's just become part of conversation. And the reason that I feel so strongly about bringing these topics to the forefront is because they were not really something that you talked about when I was a kid. And my own mother suffered, struggled through mental health and addiction and thing like Dear Live or any of the stuff that that you're doing that was so mainstream that I decided and I saw a niche where we 
could really wrap wellness around the individual in a come as you are type of way, as opposed to being off the shelf. And we do have off the shelf content. Your live is really an ecosystem where we work together. You tell us what's important to you and we guide you on wellness journeys. And we actually have the ability to create content, create seminars, create groups based on what you're dealing with today so that you actually have someone paying attention to you and advising you based on whatever's going on in your life. Very cool. One of the things that I think is so amazing about it is that it's an app and it doesn't require you to go out in public, go to someone's office where there's a storefront that identifies what you're going there for because that stigma still does exist. Having an app to be able to get some good content around mental health and wellness I just think it's awesome. Thank you. It's been such a joy to create and especially in collaborating with you. And we have another therapist, Natasha, and just looking at the world through the lens of technology meets therapy and wellness. And how can we deliver it in a way that is approachable and easy so that for those of us who went on our own wellness journey that took over a decade, we're maybe making the timeline a little bit shorter for the next person. Yeah, I'm going to ask you in a minute about that decade of journey. But the first thing I'd like to know, and I think you kind of alluded to it when you talked about Olivia Mm -hmm. and her friends, what was your motivation or your why for developing this app? Was that it or was there more? There was more and it had to do, I think, with the journey that I took. I was consumed with bettering myself after a traumatic childhood, after going through painful relationship experiences. And while my background is in finance, I mean, I was managing money. I was writing and reading and going to every conference that there possibly was, understanding myself, whether it was from a spiritual perspective, cognitive behavioral therapy, transcendental meditation, (laughs) neuroscience. If you were talking about behavior and how to change from the outside in, I was in. And what I saw more than anything was that we needed to make it approachable for others. I also was in a corporate framework where the apps that we were using covered one thing, right? So many of the apps were like, hey, we'll give you a pedometer or a heart rate monitor or whatever. And if you run this 5K, we can say, slap you on the back, we're taking care of your wellness. Well, as we saw during the pandemic, that doesn't really work. We need to really be aware of the people who are sitting at the desk across from us and what's going on in their lives. So I kind of saw that there was a gap in the way that corporate was looking at wellness for their employees. And I kind of thought maybe I could string together some really cool people to figure out how we could answer that. You're so right, because when I wrote my book, Choosing Me Now, I looked to see what was out there about building a healthy relationship with yourself. And there was a lot of things about physical care, like get enough rest, drink your water, eat healthy, that kind of stuff. Occasionally, rarely, you would find something about drawing healthy boundaries. But there really wasn't anything substantive about how to create that relationship with yourself and how to really create mental wellness. When we say mental health, everybody thinks mental illness. We're not really thinking of the continuum from mental illness to mental wellness and everything in between. We all have a number on that continuum of where our mental health is, and we can always move it closer to the wellness end if we know what to do about it. I love what you're doing because I think that that's exactly what Dear Liv is looking to do. 
Yeah, no, it's been really interesting too, because you mentioned the information that's out there and what I see. And I do think there are a lot of therapists, yourself included, who are doing a good job of educating people through social media and ways that they can receive information readily and easily. I also think there's a lot of pop psychology out there. And there's a lot of like descriptive, here are five steps to do this and three steps to do this. And let's be honest, that's a copywriter, right? It's a copywriter who's basically Googled a bunch of stuff, put some things together and is like, here, here's five steps. And if you don't get it right, well, you failed on these steps number four and five. What I found is as much work as I've done on myself, sitting down with you and Tasha over dinner and talking about, I learned so much about the way that you guys look at the world as being very gray. There's a lot of advice out there, like it's this way or that way, there's nothing in between. And you all see the world through that lens of continuum, that lens of everything is, it can be this, but it can also be this. It can mean this, but it can also mean this. People need to see that and accept it because even in our pop psychology way of looking at ourselves, sometimes we end up creating more judgment of self than we do the repair. That is so true. In fact, just this morning, I had a conversation with someone who was talking to me about a book she was reading. It was a book that was done by a business person, a man who was talking about how to be successful in your personal life. A lot of what he was saying, I was having a tug of war with because I thought, yeah, that doesn't fit for me. I think what really is the truth, and I think you're addressing this in Dear Live, is that everything isn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the five basic needs, depending on what's strong in you, you may gravitate towards advice or be more successful with some advice than you would other advice. It has to mesh with who you are as a person. If you try to follow advice of someone who's programmed completely differently than you, it's going to be a disaster because it's not who you are. I love that. And I'm really, really happy to be a part of what you're doing. Would you like to share some of the things you learned on that 10-year journey, which I'm sure is <laughs> continuing? I know it's not over. Just like I'm still on my journey after 35 years, it never ends. But what have you learned in the area of self-development and psychology? I know you're an avid reader, but I know there's more. Yeah. First and foremost, I want to tell you before I get into that, you said you're happy to be involved with Lib. We're thrilled to have you. You reached out to me during a period of time when I was writing quite a bit for many magazines and it was just the perfect conversation. I had read Choice Theory and I think that's probably point number one that I would make about my wellness journey. And one of the things I realized is that we have so much control over our lives and the way we live them. Everything is possible is kind of my new, my new stance. In the past, I wanted things to be prescriptive. When I first got started, I wanted to talk to one coach, one therapist. I wanted to read one book or go to one conference and walk away and be like, I have it figured out. And as you know, that is not the way that any of this works. And <laughs> what I do appreciate more than anything is that I have all of these modalities and I have all of these connections and all of these different things to take from. And I love that I've stretched my muscles when it comes to self-development and different modalities and different ways of looking at the world and yourself, because each of them is pertinent to specific areas or periods of time in my life. Sometimes I don't use something for a while and I go back and I take it from the bank and I use it again because it works for this aspect of my life. When we hold too rigid, and this is one of the things that I struggle with, you always hear niche down, niche down, niche down, right? From a marketing perspective. And my big argument has always been, we are not meant to live within niches. We are such complex and beautiful creatures that it's very hard to tell someone that they should live, breathe, work, or sell from this very specific space. 
one of the things I've learned throughout the years, and maybe this also comes with age, is that life is very fluid. And so our toolbox should be as well. There are some very strong things that some structural pieces that we have to look at. Definitely looking at growth over fixed mindset, right? You can talk to 15 different therapists, psychologists, neuroscientists, or yogis, and they're going to give you a different perspective as to where some of your internal chatter comes from and why you may look a certain way. But it's kind of interesting how layered it is because you might figure out that you have an issue with a parent or some kind of trauma that happened when you were 10 and it resolves some type of internal talk. But then five years later, you realize that it also had something to do with the way you look at money and your ability to be successful. It's so fascinating if you can turn to yourself and look at yourself almost with curiosity and be an observer of self as opposed to trying to write the prescription as to how this new morning routine is going to change your life and you are going to bring in all of this money and love and all of these things. We're such complex creatures. I think that that creates a lot of pressure on ourselves. I'm so grateful more than anything that not only do I have this toolbox, but I have this flexibility within myself now where I look at myself with pure curiosity. I resolved some stuff with my family and understood it in one way just to find out that it lives within my body to some extent. It creates some fight or flight. And here I am 10 years after I started this journey doing hypnotherapy (laughs) to try to figure out where this is biologically within me. What I've learned is that there's no one book that I'll recommend. There's no one conference that you can attend. But if you can look at yourself with a lot of grace and forgiveness and pure unadulterated curiosity, the words that come to mind is just self-awareness, being aware of self, recognizing when you're acting out of character or you feel something that doesn't feel good. And rather than responding to it, imagine yourself turning towards it and say, what are you here to teach me? What am I learning from you? That's a very long-winded way of me saying a lot of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you said resonates with me and speaks truth. I know that when I do my diversity workshops, I talk about getting curious instead of judgmental. When you talked about forgiveness, I think that fits in with the judging part because we'll look at ourselves and maybe we set a goal and we didn't get there in the time that we thought we should. And all of a sudden we're beating ourselves up instead of saying, well, what went wrong? What can I fix? How do I get back on that path and move in the direction that I want to go? Is it still the direction I want to go? There's so much to think about. And I also loved what you said about niching because that was the very conversation I had this morning that this man had written about. And he says, you can only do one thing well, you have to choose it and you have to say no to other things. And one of my big things is we can say yes. And we don't have to say either or, and either or can really frustrate some people, but power people like the either or, because then they can be the experts in whatever area they choose to go where people like me, I'm much more of a generalist. And I like to apply what I know to a lot of different areas. And we get bored if I was only doing one thing. It just depends. You have to know yourself to be able to know what advice fits for you rather than trying to take on advice that makes no sense. One of the things that really has surprised me is for the longest time, I thought that I was a failure because I didn't have a morning routine because I couldn't (laughs) get up early enough to have a morning routine. So that's why I wasn't succeeding, right? And then I started waking up earlier and creating my morning routine What I learned over time is that a lot of things are packaged and sold to us based on them fitting one individual type. 
or having worked for one individual. My book, I wrote my book because this is what worked for me. And I hope that I could shine a light on things that worked for me. They may not work for everyone. Now what I've realized is that some days having a morning routine looks like for me, writing something down in my journal just to get my thoughts together. Sometimes it looks like praying. Sometimes it looks like taking a shower. And sometimes it looks like getting straight to work. I need to be able to check something off of my checkbox so that by 10 a.m. I feel like I've earned this delicious cup of coffee that I'm going to take in a mindful moment. It's really about figuring out what works for you on almost a daily basis because we put too much pressure on ourselves to perform. And I think a lot of these things, this book that you read, the marketing conversations that we have that I get so frustrated with, (laughs) the whole idea behind having so much of our self-development is around performance culture. While it's important for me to be successful, I have a safety need. And for me, safety and success go hand in hand. You have to really figure out what's important to you and create that grace and flexibility and ask yourself the question, if my negative talk starts first thing in the morning, that might be one of those worship days for me where I'm saying a prayer and I'm getting into gratitude statements because there's negative chatter within me. But there may be a day where I need to be really logical. Having that self-awareness has been a game changer for me. Great. I think it would be a game changer for anyone. One of the things you talk about is your relationships and your partnerships. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm one of the people that you're partnering with on this app. And I also know your other therapist, Natasha, who's a high quality individual. And I'm just curious, how did you decide who you were going to partner with? And how did that come to be? Mm, I feel like a little bit of magic. I am conscientious about who I bring into my projects because I want to make sure that we have aligned visions. And I look at them as being long-term relationships. Even with our developer, with Sean, I had people closer and here in Las Vegas that I could have chosen to develop the app. It just so happened that they'd reached out to me about a completely different project. And I happened to see that they were also creating apps. And even though I was already interviewing people here in Vegas, I was like, huh, let me just pull that thread and see what happens. And we had such a I know this sounds like a weird word, a luscious conversation. (laughs) When we got on the phone, it was just like, yes, you know, and there was a personal interest in the project that made me say he's leaning in and he's very interested from a personal passion perspective. When you and I first started talking, you reached out to me because of something that you saw that I had written or I'd been interviewed or something like that by Thrive, I believe. And I mentioned choice theory and my interest in it. And I think it's just, we both this has a lot to do with it. We're both very curious, multi-passionate individuals. And so we kind of, in a way, probably light each other up and speak the same language. Mm -hmm. And so even though when we first started talking, I didn't know what Dear Live was going to be. I didn't know what it was going to look like. When it started to firm up, you were one of the first people that came to mind. Because I also think there's like, there's some trust there because there's been conversations and there's alignment. And with Tasha, Tasha, I've been following. So like we were mutually introduced probably 10 years ago. We would be at events and she just has this like light that bounces off of her. There's just something about her that's just like, you want to hug her and like sit and drink a glass of wine with her at the same, like, I don't know. When I was like, we need a different perspective and a different voice, she immediately came to mind. So it wasn't like I was in search of or putting out a post or something like that. It was people that there was some type of spark about them and mutual interest and mutual respect And there were some initial conversations to make sure that we were aligned because we're a startup and we got to make sure that we figure it all out in a bootstrapping kind of way at times. And everyone really got the mission and the vision and felt like people that would be linking arms for a while. And I have to tell you, there were a couple of other people that I did reach out to because I knew them through people, but not as closely as I knew you or, or Tasha through social settings. 
And it just wasn't a match and it was mutual. And I think that that's also a very mature way to look at business is kind of looking at someone. I, I do this even now. I have some folks who consult and I have them consulting because we're making sure that we're going to be a good fit because I feel like the mission for Dear Live is so pure and so precious that I want to make sure that the people that are aligned to it are going to be around for a while. That's beautiful. So it's really more about relationships than it is about knowledge or skills. It's about the synergy. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, you guys, you and Tasha both been in practice for what, 20 plus years and Sean's developed for Disney. The relationships were paramount and it just so happened that you guys also were all very deeply skilled and knowledgeable (laughs) and lovely people. That's the perfect place to create from within. Yeah. Awesome. What do you have to tell the audience about what you've learned about how powerful individuals can be and what the important resources are that support human potential and growth? Mm. So really a two-part question. I love this because it was one of the things that I said in the end of my book. I want to say I said it to myself, but I know I said it to women generally, is you are so powerful. And what was really interesting is I gave this speech to a crowd at MGM. They did a big women's leadership conference. And I gave a speech where I said, you are so powerful. And some people just don't get it because they're looking at it from the place of success and power. I tend to, what's the word when like some people love you and some people hate you? I trigger, I don't know if I trigger, I, I like the catalyst, right? For looking within. And with some people, they were like, oh my God, I need to have personal power because I've not felt my personal power. By you saying it and gifting it to me and telling me your experience, I now feel empowered to go and say what I want, to ask for pay, to ask for opportunities, to tell people, hey, I belong here too. Other people looked at it like that's ego, that's power hungry, that's whatever. And that's almost never the place that I'm working from. It's, I'm at, so self-aware now that when I am an ego, I can tell when I'm an ego. And I immediately am like, oh, I see you. Um, <laughs> it was just really funny because from my perspective, everything is possible. I actually just recently had surgery on my heart. It was outpatient, but it was a little bit scary. So one of those things where you have to be intubated and they have to put the defibrillator patches on you just in case, but it has a really high success rate, but it messes with your head just a bit. I left that surgery feeling like everything was possible. I'm like, I can have whatever I want and not a have, have not. But if I want to create a happy life, if I want to create a life of fulfillment, if I want to create opportunity for others, I can. I have that ability. It's within my choices and within my possibility, my range of opportunity. But much like you talk about with choice theory, it's like, well, what choices am I making every day? Am I getting stuck in old dialogue? Do I believe old crap about myself? And I've gotten to the point to where, again, that self-awareness button where it's like, when I hear the doubt, I turn it off. Like it's almost like I have a volume button where I turn it off because it's there, but it's only going to hold me back. When I hear the ego, I'm like, what are you trying to teach me? Are you trying to keep me safe? Or are you trying to keep me safe? Okay, thank you. That's enough. It's that empowered. I am so powerful. I can make this happen by sheer will and determination. When you operate from that space, when you're aware of your ego, when you're aware of your lack and you're operating from a pure place of power. And I want to say purpose is so overused, but it's just vision. Having some type of vision that you're operating through, people get out of your way (laughs) or make way. This is the one thing I've learned, especially like we were invited into the incubator at UNLV. I literally have to walk into a room and say, this is what I need and this is what I'm struggling with. And people are on the phone making those connections to get those things out of my way. 
What a beautiful place to operate from. Another point is make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the relationships and the people who want you to be successful, that you can use this language. If you're in a place of competition, that's not going to work. But when you're aligned on a joint vision or you have people around you who want to see you get there, oh my gosh, incredible. Can you remind me what the second part of the question was? <laughs> of course. It's what are the important resources to support human potential and growth? Yes. First of all, I think there's so much information out there. I do believe that you have to have people in your life who are helping you. I have coaches personally. I actually don't keep the same one for a long period of time. It depends on what's going on in my life. So when I was making some decisions that had to do with shares and securities and whatever, I had an executive coach, someone who could sit with me and say, okay, you need to talk to a CFO over here. You need to do this. You need to do that. When I started having issues with confidence, I worked with a woman who deals with confidence and presence and being able to take up a stage and recently realized that there are some things from my past that are so ingrained in me that they're very easily triggered and it creates a physical response. So I'm like, I'm going to try hypnotherapy and see how that goes. I am very cautious about who I bring into my circle, but conscientious about who I hire to help me achieve more. I read a ton. I listen to podcasts. And there's several people in my life who are probably very frustrated with me because if you're not additive, I don't have a lot of time for you. It's not a conversation and a confrontation. It's just a reality. I put people in my calendar that we're working on projects together. I also have to make time for my family. I have to make time for my daughter. So I'm creating opportunities to better myself to where if you are not on that train with me, you kind of fall off the calendar. Surrounding yourself with the people that you want to add to and who can add to you. Looking for networks and groups that want to see you move forward and seeking out those thought leaders who are talking about human potential, who are talking about biohacking, who are talking about cool stuff. And even if you don't 100% believe in it, like 30%, that's pretty cool. So listen anyways. I love that. We're coming to the end of our time, sadly. And I just want to ask if there's anything you might like to add that we haven't already talked about. I don't know. It's funny because I think the only thing that comes to mind is just get out of your own way. It's just the sentence that comes to mind because I've had to say it to myself so many times. Sometimes getting out of your own way means you've got to hire someone to help you. Sometimes it means that you just have to commit to yourself. But if you find yourself using old sentences, like I don't have time or my kids are more important, or I've got to do this first. So, and everything's external, take the time to become aware of that because your power lies within your focus, within your attention and intention. And once you get clear on that, everything else rises my daughter's happier because of the type of life that I lead and the fact that I work on myself. My company is better and the people that I work with, we have better relationships because I know when I'm working in ego and when I'm working in lack. There's such beauty in knowing yourself and committing to being your best self. Beautiful. So do you have something coming up you want to tell our audience about? Maybe a launch? <laughs> I do. We are launching the new brand for Dear Live and the new podcast on August 30th. I'm very excited. We've got a couple of updates to the app. The app has been on the Apple App Store, but it's been in beta, really. We've been testing it and playing with it. You were here in Vegas with Natasha. We did some videos and we've got some audio content that's going to be dropping or brushing it off from the advice and direction we were given by the beta users. 
I'm really proud of what we're creating. If anyone would like to check it out, both the Dear Live podcast and the Dear Live updated version will be on the Apple App Store on August 30th. Wow. How exciting. Yay. Does it feel like you're birthing a baby? Again and again and again and again. <laughs> and this is what I've learned about this startup life is you think you're done, you're never really done. I have come to realize you hold things softly. I used to be one of those people, it needs to be and it has to be and la 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 la. And now what I've realized is so much time and effort and thought and love has been put into this product. I think people feel it and see it. If we take some time to iterate, I think they're going to come with us along the journey. Yeah, I think so too. If people want to get in touch with you, Jeanette, how would they do that? Yes. We're on Instagram at dearlive.app. I have my own TikTok, which has been super fun at ms.jeanetteschneider. I'm always hanging out in the DMs. Welcome to find me. That website is dearlive.com. And I would love people to listen to the podcast. I have so much fun creating them because as you can see, I talk a lot and enjoy talking. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, there's so many different ways to come find us. Great. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us today, Jeanette. It's been so refreshing to connect with a quote, business person on this project, (laughs) but not just a business person, someone who has literally reinvented herself and wants to invest everything in helping other people do the same. It's so cool to work with someone who is completely operating in her genius and passion. Thank you for that. I'm going to carry that in my heart. Thank you. That was so kind. And I'm so thrilled that you're working with us on this project. Sky's limit. That's a mutual thrill. I'll have to definitely say I'm loving it as well. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be interviewing Natasha Mosby about coaching people for overall well-rounded health. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.